social media. We know it has the potential to do wonders for our business, but discovering the magical strategy that has the power to actually work can feel like an uphill battle. To some, it is so elusive it causes them to discount the value of social media in its entirety because it can seem so impossible. So what is the answer? Why do some seem to have success while others don't? There are numerous tips, tricks, and insider secrets floating around online, but how can we really decipher the truth from the myth? Today's guest does just that. Brendan Kane is a best-selling author of two books, One Million Followers and Hookpoint, and truly is an expert on growing social media. But Brendan hasn't just written books about social media growth. He has applied his knowledge successfully with huge brands, celebrities, as well as his own personal brand and other clients who didn't have the added help of being in the public eye. Friends, he applied the science of his books well before the books were written and is here today to talk about some key points and valuable takeaways that you can use immediately. I've linked his information uh, and links to the book in the description, and I strongly recommend purchasing them as I have. I am beyond honored that he agreed to be a guest on the show and grateful that together we can help you share your impact with the world. Without further ado, let's begin. Hey, Pie Tribe, buckle up for a new episode of the Passive Income Examiner, the number one podcast for budding entrepreneurs and business owners looking to diversify their income with passive strategies. Welcome to season two, focused on building successful online businesses with evergreen marketing solutions. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We have an amazing guest, Brendan Kane. Um, Brendan is a best-selling author, and I'm very excited to have him on the show today because of the content we're going to be talking about specifically is about social media content as well as just marketing in general. I think it's extremely valuable, this message that we're going to be sharing with you today. And Brendan, I just want to thank you again for joining us on the show and ask you to please share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here and Pleasure to connect with you and everybody that's tuning into this. Uh, yeah, I've been in the social media space since 2005 uh, and have worked across the board. I started off in the film industry, helping create digital divisions, working on films ranging from 15 to $200 million budgets and helping them syndicate their message uh, to the world. I have dove pretty deep into the paid advertising space, uh, have help build companies that were managing hundreds of millions of dollars for some of the biggest brands in the world. Uh, a lot of people know me from my first book, 1 million followers, how I built a massive social audience in 30 days and my recent book hook point, how to stand out in a three second world. Yes. And I read your, I'm in the process of reading your book. I will admit, I wish I would have gotten the audio version. So <laughs> I think I'd be done with it by now if I did. <laughs> Not that it's anything, um, it's just I don't have time to read sometimes. So it's like one of those things. Um, definitely wanted to talk a little bit about social media. It's such a it's such an interesting concept. I've been on um as a social media manager, as a marketer, I've seen a lot of companies go back and forth on 
A, the importance of social media anyway, but those that really do appreciate the importance of building a brand and building a brand on social media, there is so much information and so much of it is misinformation out there. I'd love today to dispel some of those myths, maybe use um, some examples of some of the things I've run across and hear your input on what your take is, um, and then maybe give our listeners a couple of takeaways and nuggets of wisdom that they can start applying to their social today to really make a difference and specifically, hopefully, kind of grab people's attention because um, I think to your point in the book, Hook Point, so many people have such a short attention span and we're all inundated with massive amounts of content on a daily. Um, you know, one of the, the most recent examples of this I've been working with is with one of my clients where they want their content to be very pretty and very organic. And so the question is, how do... What I guess what importance does visual uh, content play and the the aesthetics of the content rather compared to in other words the hook and I'd love to hear your 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 focus on that and kind of what direction would you recommend people go and and kind of what um, I guess overall what difference does it make between how pretty it looks and also the words what which one matters more if that even is part of the case well. The only thing that matters is performance. I mean, that's the the bottom line. And when when you talk about something looking pretty or having certain aesthetics um, or a brand feel, the first question I have is, what is your reference that has led you to that decision that's going that's going to create performance? And the biggest reason people are failing with social media is they're starting with a foundation to say, here are my brand guidelines. This is what my brand stands for across the board, messaging, um, you know, the, the, the look, the feel, the color palette. And at the end of the day, that hasn't proven to perform. So our, we have a viral content engineering process that we've developed that's backed by over 50 billion views, well over 100 million followers, and everything that we do is deeply rooted in research as we start fundamentally of identifying what are the performance drivers or lack thereof of certain content formats and structures. And when we're doing this research, oftentimes, we, yes, we will start with the competition, but oftentimes the competition will tell you what not to do because most of your competition is not performing with social as well, but we'll also break out of your competition. We'll even break out of your industry and get a true sense of what is driving performance so that we can set a hypothesis of this format, this structure, um, this aesthetic, this first three seconds uh, is driving the performance. And then we'll use that hypothesis to use it for our ideation. So we will create ideas for content off of the research and off of the hypothesis. The problem that's happening with most brands is they're skipping that. They have no idea what works and what doesn't work. They never do the research. They never set hypotheses. They just go straight. Here's my brand guidelines. Let's create some ideas around it. And then it fails. And they have no idea of why it doesn't fail. So with our process, again, it's starting with fundamental research, not just in the core industry, but as a whole of looking at who's really doing it well, who's not doing it well. We create the hypothesis off of that research. We then create create our ideas. And then we go into single production. So we only create a single piece of content at a time so that we can then 
that whether our hypothesis held true. Now, this is another big mistake. People are doing content planners. They're, they're, they're scheduling content out for the next week, the next month, the next quarter. And that just does not create a fruitful environment for iterating and learning off of this research ideation process so that you can fuel success. So when you ask the initial question, how important are aesthetics and color and all of those things is, well, you got to go and prove it. You've got to go and show me references, multiple references that says, we're making this decision based upon the performance that we've seen in the data that we collected. So I love what you're saying, because it's like, I think sometimes we get caught up in the busyness of social media and the chaos of of the chaos, right? Even as brands and as content producers, where we think it's about putting out massive amounts of content and it's about quantity, sometimes over quality, or, you know, let's just get some content out there and then we'll focus on the quality and test it and look backwards. I really like what you had to say about picking out one piece of content, really looking into the analytics on that and then moving forward. So let me ask you this, what are some of the metrics that you're looking at on that content? I mean, obviously, likes and shareability and such, but is there one specific thing that you like to see more than another that really gives you an indicator that you're on the right track? Well, the biggest thing is retention. How long are people spending with your content? Because when we look at the algorithms and there's a lot of myths and misinformation about the algorithms, uh, one of the biggest myths are that they suppress reach so you pay for it. And that's just simply false because if that was the case, nobody would go viral. So the algorithms really at a high level have one goal and one goal only, and that's to keep people in the platform longer because the longer you stay in the platform and the more ads they can serve you. So what they are going to favor over everything is retention. So if you really look at the time spent on your content, that's heavily going to dictate how well it's doing. Now, one key metric before you even get to retention is, are you even stopping the scroll? You know, what is your, like one of the metrics that we look at Do you have podcasting questions? Are you looking for a community where you can learn and grow as a podcaster? Hi, I'm Greg, creator of Indie Drop-In Network. Join me and Jeff Townsend, aka the Indie Podcast Father, on Twitter Spaces every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern for Podcasting Power Hour. Every week we are joined by experts on different aspects of podcasting to help the community learn and grow as creators. We tackle questions from podcasters at every level. Just go to podcastingpowerhour.com for links to the space and to hear previous episodes. That's podcastingpowerhour.com. This episode is brought to you by Kajabi, the platform with a full suite of world-class online business tools working seamlessly together. I've been using Kajabi now for nearly a year, and I'm absolutely in love with this program. Prior to Kajabi, I was experimenting with other platforms, and so many of them were not user-friendly. They were difficult to get online pages to sync up with the cart, or getting opt-ins and emails to be easily set up. I was beginning to dread the time it was going to take to set up a simple landing page. Honestly, I can say that since working with Kajabi, I have been extremely happy. I can't imagine leaving for any reason at this point, mainly because it saves me so much time and it doesn't give me a headache. Listen, I consider myself pretty tech savvy for the most part. 
but that doesn't mean that I want to be a tech genius every time I want to put together an offer. Kajabi makes it so simple to create online products and it gives me the tools I need so my marketing is synchronized. I really can't say enough great things about Kajabi. If you click the link in the description, you will get a free 30-day trial with Kajabi on behalf of the Passive Income Examiner. So be sure to check out the description. Now back to the show. Specifically with videos is um, the view to reach ratio. The number of, because views are typically counted on most of these platforms at the three second mark. So that ratio will tell you how effective you are at stopping the scroll. And we've just seen in the data, if you're anything below 30%, you're, you're done. There's, there's just no way that the algorithm is going to trust your content. We aim for 40% or higher. Uh, but then again, we look at that retention. If we do stop at 40% or higher, what does that retention look like? How long are people staying with this piece of content? Now, each platform is looking for different types of retention. You know, YouTube, for example, that's much longer form content. So they may be looking at retention that's eight, nine, 10 minutes long versus TikTok. Um, one of my friends, I just interviewed him for a magazine that we're launching called Viral. And uh, he just hit 20 million followers on TikTok. So we looked at his most viewed video, which is 90 million views and another video uh, that's about average for him. That was about 5 million views. So the average retention on the 90 million view video was 27 seconds. And the average retention on the 5 million view was 21 seconds. So we're talking about a six second differential that represents 85 million views in performance. And that's really the, 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 the world that we're living in today. And, and most brands don't understand this is, is we've gone from pre-social media about 20 years ago to a million content creators on the planet reaching the masses because you had to go through television, print, radio. Your ability to reach the masses was dictated either based upon spending a lot of money because there was minimum spends or your connections to get a story out there. So you fast forward today with social media reaching its height, you know, there's 3.96 billion content creators on the planet publishing upwards of 200 billion messages across these platforms every day. So again, going back to the algorithms looking for retention, they literally have billions of pieces of content that they can choose from. You know, they're not going to just because you're a Coke or just because you have a few million followers does not mean you're going to necessarily go viral. Was there a time that that happened when there was less people on the platforms? Absolutely. But today it's really about how effective you are in A, stopping the scroll and B, holding attention for as long as possible. So how <clears throat> I hear this often is, you know, you really have to know your audience. Would you agree that that is a really key piece of um, no. part of the thought process or is it completely no. irrelevant? <laughs> it, it, I'm not going to say it's irrelevant, but again, it starts with performance. What's working? Why is it working? What's not working? Why is it not working? That'll tell you a lot about how people are engaging with content. And it will kind of tell you about the audience. But this is another big you know, thing that holds brands back is they will say, listen, we are going to niche down and we're going to create content just for our audience and just for this specific niche. The problem with that is if we're talking purely organic social is the algorithms want content that they can push to as many people as possible. And like, let's just say you're following a brand that we're building content for, but at the same time, I follow 
500 other brands or 500 other accounts. There's probably tens of thousands of pieces of content the algorithms can choose from. So even though I'm following your brand, doesn't mean that the algorithm is going to choose the content that you just designed for me, the audience, because they would much rather choose a piece of content that doesn't just work for me, but works for a million other people. Because that's going to hold that attention because the risk is that you design a piece of content, the algorithm just seeds it to me because I follow the account. And then I keep getting seeded this content that I don't engage with. It doesn't mean I don't like the brand. It's just the content's not interesting to me. So that is a negative experience to the end user, me. And thus that keeps me off the platform because I'm just going to scroll through a few things. I'm not going to see what I want for. I'm going to go to another platform. And that has ruined that experience. It's ruined the ability for the algorithm to see more ads. But now in my subconscious, it's starting to tell me this platform may not be the right platform for me to spend more time on. It also seems like why, and I mean, exactly the reason why, you know, paying for followers is not necessarily a good thing, which it used to be. Um, so I think everybody's kind of caught on to that these days, but that's a good explanation as to why. I, don't, that I honestly, I honestly don't, I've grown accounts through paid acquisition of followers and I've grown accounts purely organic. I would say the difference with people that are growing accounts with paid acquisition is typically they're doing it because their content is not dialed in. And thus, because their content's not dialed in, they're not generating reach engagement. Um, but I've seen accounts that have been grown purely organically, they can't reach or engage their audience because their content's not good. Maybe they, they acquire that audience years ago when it was easier to get that reach and distribution. And I have worked on accounts that have done it all through paid acquisition and we dialed in their content and they get massive reach and massive engagement. So I don't like making distinction between the two. Um, obviously, you want to do it organically if you can, but I'm not going to sit here and demonize paid acquisition of followers because you can make it work as long as they're not fake. And we're at a point right now where the the algorithm or the these platforms are smart enough to know fake accounts and they purge fake accounts and things like that. So I'm not saying it never happens, but I think it's very rare. Most people will look at a big account and say, "Oh, they acquired it through." you know, paid or it's a fake audience. Uh, and it's not, it's that their content is not playing to what the algorithms want. So it's not even reaching that audience. And again, you can look at uh, examples of the biggest brands in the world, the Apples, um, you know, Coca-Cola or a Pepsi. And the, the, the fascinating thing about those brands, they did not grow their followers because of social their followers grew because they're massive brands and they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising elsewhere that drove that. But if you look at their performance, you would never say Apple bought fake followers or subscribers. Same thing with a Coca-Cola. But if you looked at their pure reach and engagement metrics, it would appear that way. But it's again, they grew not because of social, but because of the external factors. That, that go into play. Now, I'll give you another example. And I think The Rock is still the most followed person on Instagram. If he's not, he's in the top five, uh, probably over 200 million followers. And he's another one where his, people will say, well, his organic. It's not. Because if you look at it, every movie he's in, the marketing budget's $100 million. And then he goes on television to promote it. He's on billboards. He's on magazines. 
And all of that, you know, fuels to his followership. Now, on the other hand, The Rock has good engagement because he understands social. He understands how to effectively communicate to his audience. And I'm not saying that example to dilute what The Rock has done with social media. I'm just trying to give perspective on kind of what it means, uh, you know, to to have a large following um, and to have lack of engagement and have high engagement because people get that confused a lot. I think that's really perceptive. I mean, I love that there's so much, and it's true too, and it's true with marketing in general. A lot of companies that I've dealt with, they want to see one thing have a direct result. And I was just in a conversation with one of them yesterday. I said, it's like a net, like we've created a net and everything is working together. Our website is feeding this, this is feeding that, like our podcast and everything is working together. There isn't any just one piece of something that's holding up the whole brand, you know, and driving all the traffic and converting it. But to your point, what we do with our social content can make it go farther. And so really what I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, what's really important is getting their attention right off the bat, which we can talk about next, and then keeping them on that platform the longest. And those are the two primary metrics you want to look for um, when you're just getting started and focusing on building. Like if we were to really need zone in on some really key areas. Would you say that's what you're, is that agree? Are you agreeing with me? Yeah. Yeah. I would just change one word. It's it, we're keeping attention as long as possible on a single piece of content, not necessarily on the platform. The algorithms are trying to keep people on the platform, but we as content creators are trying to keep people engaged in our, each piece of content we produce for as long as possible. Okay. Good deal. So let's uh, let's move into what your book Hook Point is about and kind of maybe something that people can take away that really can give them something to use um, to help kind of get people's attention in that three seconds or less uh, window of opportunity. Well, the book is all about what we just broke down is there's really three core pillars to creating a successful hook point. There's grabbing attention because if you can't get attention, you're, you're going to get lost in the noise. The second is holding attention. Because all the attention in the world doesn't mean anything if there's no substance. And third, there's monetizing attention. Because if you're not fueling your business goals with it, then you're going to burn out. There's not going to be a sustainable engine to keep that content creation going. So those are the three core pillars of what hook points are. And in terms of how you grab attention, and I also want to say, like, we live in a micro-attention world from the standpoint of grabbing attention. But once you've hold it, as long as you're a good storyteller, you can hold people. Like you look at Netflix, people will binge watch the Squid Games for 10 hours in a weekend. People will listen to a Joe Rogan podcast for two and a half hours. So it's not that we're living such in this micro-attention world that you can't hold it. You can if your content is good. It's more how do you stand out long enough or how do you stand out in those first three seconds to convey that you are a content creator, you are a brand that is worth listening to, that is worth tuning into. So again, when we look at the the first three seconds, uh, we always start with research. Our research is a big part of our, our process to really understand the patterns that are happening, like the patterns when people are scrolling through their feed. Because if you don't understand the patterns, then you can't break that pattern. Because the reality situation is, is your core audience they could have just watched Kim Kardashian talking about fashion, The Rock talking about fitness, Kevin Hart telling a joke, a Netflix trailer, and then your content comes up. 
how is it going to disrupt that pattern to say, listen, I need to stop and pay attention to this. It doesn't mean that you have to be on the level of a Netflix. You don't like we see people going viral all the time that don't have that production value of a Netflix movie or a Netflix um, piece of content. It's just, what are you doing in those first few seconds that, that tells the individual this piece of content is unique. This piece of content is different. This piece of content is going to surprise me. It's going to entertain me. It's just setting that expectation in the shortest amount of time possible to set up the story that you want to convey for, again, your core audience. Now, this can be done in many different ways, uh, but I'll start with the mistakes that people make. They try and do too much, or they, they try and say the same thing in the same way as everybody else. One of the biggest mistakes is people start um, a social post by saying, hey, everybody, who is everybody? Social media is not a one-to-many platform. It's a one-to-one platform. Yes, you can reach many one-to-one interactions, but when we're engaging with social media, we're typically sitting on the couch by ourselves on, on a train or on a bus. We're not sitting in a stadium watching it on a big, big screen. So people that start off by saying, hey, everybody, you just lost them. What am I going to stick? Like, who's everybody? And you don't need to make that, that introduction. It's like, you've got to hit them right away. And that the way that you can hit them can be done visually. It can be a visual cue. It can be rolling a cup onto the table or a plate or something unique there. Um, it can be done with a meme card with the text burned in the top, but a neat, that meme card needs to be utilized in a unique and different way. Um, it, you know, Gary V, if you look at his content, he's hitting people with a three to five second thing of saying something super jarring that's taken from the middle or the end of the video. Like there was one video that he he did is a woman stopped him on the street and he's, she said, um, give me one piece of advice. And he said, you're going to die. So, and he's like, seriously, you're going to die. So, and I can't remember what the, the whole thing was, but I think it was something around, you know, live your life to the fullest or some, something like that. But so again, there's not one singular way to do it. It's just using research as a fundamental process to keep exploring it because, you know, the viral content engineering process that, that we've built will survive any algorithm change, any platform change, and will work for any social platform, no matter what pops up. Why? Because we're always starting with research. We're always looking at what's working now, what's not working, and using that to set hypothesis that fuels our content strategy. Okay. So on that note, is that, do you go into that specific research in the hook point or is that in the 1 million followers or both? We talk a bit about it in hook point, but we're actually about to launch a viral content engineering training because it's pretty in depth. Um, there's a lot of nuance into it. Uh, so we decided to build uh, a school around training people in that, that process. Um, and we've been, again, we developed the process over the past five or six years, and we've been working on the training program for the past year. So that's, we do talk about it um, in hook point, uh, but not as in depth as we're going to go uh, in the training program. Cause it takes several months just to get the foundation of, of the entire process. But yeah, also can... if you want, you can go to hookpoint.com and we talk about it at a high level. You can download the deck um, as, as well. Um, and that's all free. But uh, 
yeah, we're, we, we've just seen that that's the big thing that's holding people back and why we've invested a tremendous amount of time, energy, effort, and even, you know, financially to build out this training program for people. Yeah, I can see that. Cause even just listening, you know, to you here, I'm thinking, you know, where would I go to do the research? And I know I've in the book, you talk about specifically like the, the girl in Kansas or the, you know, the people who were kind of putting out some content, but they're not really getting the reach. And you have to have that wisdom almost to be able to say, oh man, that's going to be great. And I can repurpose it like this. And that isn't necessarily a talent that everybody has, but I'm sure it could be taught. So I agree with you. I think that is going to be a really great, um, great school. When, when do you think you might have that put together? We're launching it in three weeks. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. Okay, cool. Um, wow. I mean, this has just been a great, obvious, great episode. I'm just totally, I geek out on this stuff. So it's wonderful. I love it. (laughs) Um, do you have any, uh, places that you want people to go specifically? I know we're going to put a link down below, but is there any other, um, specific information or direction you want to give our audience today? Yeah, you can learn more about us at hookpoint.com. Like I mentioned, there's a free video and a deck that just breaks down our process. Uh, if you want to dive in further, you can go to my website, brendanjkane.com. There's an extensive blog library. You can sign up for our newsletter. And if you want to get our books, um, they're sold anywhere books are sold. But if you go to book.hookpoint.com or book.1millionfollowers.com, you can get you know, specific additional uh, items that are more in-depth training on, on both books. Yeah. The books are really good. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So thank you again. I appreciate you so much for coming on, um, sharing your wisdom with us. And, uh, once again, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Uh, you as well. If you like mommy, so leave a review. Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. I am truly grateful for you. And if this podcast has inspired you in any way, head over to iTunes and leave a written review. I would appreciate it so much. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for helping to spread the word by sharing this show with your friends.